Welcome to the Hillside Baptist Chapel's weekly podcast. Good morning. Good morning. You look swell. You look like you're retired. Some of you. Sorry to the young people that still have to make a career. We're praying for you. If I say, welcome in the house of the Lord, is that correct or is that incorrect? That's a trick question. Who are or who is? Who are the house of God? This is just a building. Right? Where is the presence of the Lord this morning? And here. Where two or three are gathered. That's why when Jesus said it is finished, the veil was torn from top, not from the bottom up. The Father leaned over and ripped it open and said, there's access to me this morning. When Jesus said it is finished, the guilt we had, the sin of you and I in the world stood between God and us. And that was taken away. And it doesn't come back. If, when, if the Lord has set you free, you will be free indeed. That is why the Bible, the Gospel, is called the good news. What is the good news? What would it be if you start off with good news and you end up with the law? What is the good news to be free and then we're told by the pastor or by the church, these are the things you have to do to be saved. And it's only, it is only the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that has set us free of the requirements of the law of any person and of any denomination. We are starting today with a a book of the Bible that is called the Magna Carta of Christian Liberty. Guess which one it is. Guess. What? Galatians. Paul wrote two books close to each other when he was in Corinth. The book of Romans and the book of the Galatians. Because I want you guys to realize what is the heart of the gospel. If you take out the heart of the gospel, you are left with a corpse. The big difference between Christianity and, say, Mormonism or Jehovah's Witness or the Muslim faith, they have teachings. The person who started that religion doesn't really matter because they have the book. Remember, the Muslims say this is a holy book. It was dictated by God, although there are 12, 15 different versions. But that's what they believe. And if you take Buddha, or or, or, or if he disappears, the teachings will be there. But Christianity is built on what? On who? On a person. And that's the difference 
It is not about teachings. It's not about rules. It's not about regulations. It's about knowing the one who set us free. And that is a relationship. And if it says one thing that, that put Paul over the edge, that made him rude, is when there are people that came into his, the churches that he started in the name of Jesus and said, you need the gospel plus. You have to adhere to the gospel, but you have to do the rules of the church. You have to go, go to Rome at least once a year, or you have to do this, or you have to pay indulgences, or you have to do that. Because the heart of the gospel is the good news that Jesus did it all. He did it all for you, and He did it all for you, and all for me. And it is preposterous to think that there is anything that you and I can do to add on to the work of the Lord Jesus Christ to make our salvation secure. That's when he said, if there's anyone, even an angel, that will preach to you a different gospel than the one I brought to you, let him be accursed. That was the meek Paul, who was walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, would say such a thing. Because he was not concerned that it was his word and his losing face. He was used to that. He was shipwrecked three times. He was beaten with a rod 39 uh, stroke, uh, uh, strokes five times. He was in prison. He was stoned in Lystra once. Put, uh, taken up for dead. He didn't care about what he suffered for Christ. But he cared about the fact that what God has done, you leave alone. You don't add any human work to that. And my brother and sister, we have to make sure that you and I will walk in that truth. But there comes times, there comes preachers, there will come angels of the light, and they will, they will say, no, you, ca you can't be saved by just the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. You need something else. You need to send me your money. And I, or, or I will stand in the middle and I will pray for those of your family that you're concerned about. Give us the money and we will pray and make sure they go through purgatory in a flash. But it's more subtle than that. Let's look at our own lives. How quickly we feel guilty. How quickly we feel accused. Because we measure ourselves up. And say, why would God lo love a person like me? Look at, look at the things I've done. Look at the thoughts I think. What does the word say? What does the word say? There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Ephesians was all about taking a stand on the gospel of truth and for the full armor of God because we have an enemy that is relentless. He came to seek, to kill and destroy. Although your, your salvation is secure, he can steal from you joy and peace. And that's what he's doing all day. He's reminding us of our failures. And look at you. How long have you been saved? 50 years. Look at you. You lost it. What, what advertisement are you for the gospel? And what we do, we cower.
the problem, I want you to, I take you back to the first century church. The gospel went forth on Pentecost Day. 15 languages, 15 different countries, people were there for devout people. They came to Jerusalem to, 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 to um, um, commemorate the, the Shavuot, the, the Pentecost, the festival of weeks. 2,000 years before, on that particular day, 50 days after Passover, what happened at Sinai? God came down in His power on the mountain. And He said, now that I have released you from the slavery of Egypt, remember what happened, the Passover lamb. We had Passover last Sunday. The Passover lamb was slaughtered. And His blood was put on the doorposts. I have redeemed you from slavery. Which is, a sign, which is a symbol of you and I coming out of the slavery of sin through the blood of our Passover lamb. And now they were brought into Sinai, and Sinai, God made a covenant with them. That was not a covenant of grace. Remember, He made a covenant of grace of Abraham. I said last week, He put him, Abraham to sleep. And He said, I will fulfill this covenant on Abraham's behalf. This didn't happen at Sinai. At Sinai, the blood of a, of, of a sacrificial animal was taken by Moses and spread over the people and over the law. God gave them the law on Sinai and said, Now that I have you redeemed you, now that you are my people, this is the way you should walk so that the world will know I am your God and I am a holy God. And the Israelites say, We will do. They vowed that they will obey. That was a covenant, that was a conditional covenant built on works. Because God says in Deuteronomy, you can go in 27, 28, these are the curses that will happen if you disobey, and these are the blessings that will happen if you do obey. It was conditional. That was not the contract that went, when they came out of Egypt, they had to slaughter a lamb. And you know, I think of the two, two Jewish people, two Jewish men, they were hanging over the, the, the fence of their yard, and, and one said to the other, have you heard what Moses now wants? He said, if we slaughter a lamb, and we put the blood on the post of the door, that death angel that comes at midnight will not kill us. And Abe says to David, uh, I'm not so sure if that's going to work. Abe said, I'll get them mixed up. The other one said, yes, but I believe. The one who was not too sure if the blood is going to work, did it anyway. What is faith? Faith is not what you th it's not something you work up. Faith is an action. He believed. They both put the blood on the posts. They both. The one didn't, didn't really was certain whether this is going to work. Is he going to be saved? The other one was certain. But they both applied the blood. And the next morning when they woke up, what happened? They were both saved. Why? Because of the blood. Because of the blood, not because of their faith, but because of their blood. Whether he was totally certain or not, it is all in the blood of the Lamb. And God says, if I see the blood, I will pass you over. So they were saved, but they were given the law. They were not given the law so that they, uh, to be rescued from Egypt, they were already rescued by the blood of the Lamb. Follow that. 
now they had to live like people of God. That gives us the backdrop of why Paul is so upset about the Galatians. So think with me. They started a new church in Galatia. The gospel reached... Galatia is the, is, is the central part of Turkey. And if you think of the new church, was originally only uh, from, to the Jews. So the Jews believed first, because they were there on Pentecost, right? So the gospel was for them. But the more people, the, the longer the years go, the more people heard the message of Jesus. You can have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So into the church came that terrible word that was for Jews, that terrible thing. Remember, the Lord said in their law, they are not to mix with the people of Canaan unless they be drawn into idol worship. So they considered uh, the, the, the Gentile believers, those who are not of the Abraham covenant, as goyim, the dogs, not to be mingled with. Now, let's, be, let's just think, how do you start a new church with Jewish believers with the great history of God behind them and with Gentiles who came out of idol worship? How do you join a church like this? They, they eat blood. Blutwurst. Or, or they, look how they slaughter. They, they, they don't have a kosher diet. They're not even circumcised. We don't want anything to do with them. But we've read in Ephesians, Paul says, I would declare to you a mystery that was hidden from all ages. You know why? If you, if you listen to, to when Paul was brought before the Sanhedrin, when he was brought there because they said he took um, Gentiles into the prison, or into the temple, it was a no-no to do. He wanted to say something and he, preached, he wanted to preach the gospel and he dared to mention the word Gentiles. They went berserk. Don't talk to me about the Gentiles. We are the chosen ones. We are the ones that have the favor of God. But Paul says, a mystery has been revealed to me that was not revealed before, that through Christ the two were made one. He broke down the wall of separation. There was a wall in the temple that if a Gentile would go beyond that wall, they would be stoned. Not because there was a Gentile, but because he would defile the temple. But now, through the gospel, the good news whether you are a Jew and whether you have circumcision and whether you have the, 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 the promises of God and the temple worship and the covenants and, and the patriarchs and whatever you have to be Jewish, God takes the Gentiles in Christ and He makes them one. That's the mystery of the gospel. That is the good, uh, good news of the gospel. But what the Jews couldn't, they couldn't separate from them the fact that they had to keep the law. 613 laws. One of, those, one of those is if you discover mold in your house, you have to call the priest, he will investigate it, and if he thinks it's not too bad, he will isolate the house, you leave your house, live with your family, close the house down, and wait for a week and go and inspect the mold again. If it's grown, demolish the house. Even today, we don't see any Jew do that. But they were... They were to keep the law 100%. So, the Gentiles came out of idol worship, sexual immorality. They bought their meat uh, that was offered to idols. And they were coming into the church in their droves. 
Can you imagine what happened? Can you imagine just the turmoil if maybe, <laughs> I don't want to say which side is which side, but let's say the Jews side, this is in the Gentiles. Maybe in the church they would say, the, or the Gentiles said that side, and the Jews would say that side. But what Paul wanted to bring across, uh, there is one body. There is one body. That's why we, when we commemorate uh, the Lord's Supper, we break it from one loaf. So, Paul was sitting back in Corinth and he heard the news. The, the churches in Galatia, remember the, the Derby, Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. Those are the, few, four, the cities in the south of Galatia. He sent the letter. When he says letter to Galatia, the letters will go circular from, from congregation to congregation. But what he has heard, there came Judaizers. Now, when you think of the Jews, I want you to think of the Messianic Jews, the, the, the Jews that believed in the Lord Jesus. And then there were the, 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 the Jews that believed that you have to believe in the Lord Jesus and the law. And then you had the third group, which was the unbelieving Jews. They that chased uh, Paul out of every city he went. Now, he heard that the Galatians were told the gospel plus. Somebody sneaked in from the back, through the back door, and said to him, this guy that wrote to you the gospel is not a true apostle. He was not with the Lord for the three years like Peter and John and Matthew and Mark and, uh, and the other guys. I don't know where he's from, but I don't think he's a true apostle. And the gospel he's preached is a watered-down gospel. Why do you think it's so easy? Do you think that you just have to believe? Where are you from? Wake up. Religion is not easy like that. You have to keep, you have to do the law. And these guys, they have to be circumcised. I know you ladies can smile, it's not a big deal. <laughs> but they were up in arms. What now? Uh, we've never heard of that. Yeah, because it, he didn't want to be persecuted by, by the know-how in Jerusalem. We know these other apostles, they are the true apostles. This guy might be an imposter. Let's read. Galatians 1. Paul makes it clear. Paul, an apostle, right there in the beginning... Just get it straight. I'm an apostle. Here comes. Not from men and not through man. But through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers with me to the churches in Galatia, grace to you and peace. Interesting, the Greeks will greet each other charis or grace. But the Jews, what do they use? Shalom, peace. See, those churches were definitely, the Jews were, the Gentiles were majority Greek speaking. So, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age. He doesn't mean taking out of the world, but to protect us from the power of the present evil age. Through what? Through the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
He preached the gospel. That's what that was common in the letters of that time. As he would just introduce himself, he would introduce the people that worked with him. He would he would greet them, and then he would in a short sentence or two will summarize what, the la- what they can expect in the letter, whether they want to read further or just pray first and then read what is coming next. According to, so, uh, deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Verse 6, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting Him, that's God, who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. I'm astonished. And then he uses the word deserting. It's a military term. If you desert your post, they will... Can you think what the army will do if you desert your post? You are deserting it. You are so quickly deserting it. And you're turning to a different gospel. Different gospel, heteros. Totally different. So, he meant by this that the mixture of law and grace is not God's gospel. That's a different gospel. That's not the good news. Not something to be added to what you have already received. Not something to complete the gospel message. It is opposed to that. It is a heterodox message. One opposed to the sound teaching. There is only one gospel. Not that there is another one, he says. He talks about a different gospel. Not that there is one. But even if we... So, sorry. So, let me write... It's not a, a different gospel. Not that there is another one. But there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. It's not another gospel. But there is a distortion of the gospel. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. Let him be anathema. And by the way, that is what the Roman Catholic Church, I'm not talking, when I talk about the Roman Catholic Church, please understand that there are people that are saved in the Roman Catholic Church by the grace of God. They are spirit-filled. But when I'm talking about the Roman Catholic Church, I'm talking about their doctrine. Their doctrine says that the church sits in a higher position as the scripture. They have the power to interpret the scripture the way, but if they have formed a meeting and a council through the infallacy of the Pope, they, their word goes before the Bible. So the Roman Catholic Church considers the Protestant church as anathema, accursed. They think we are lost. Because we are only sola scriptura. It's what we believe in. As we have said before, so, now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. (coughs) 
in Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9, by grace we have been saved through faith. Not of yourself. It is a gift of God. Not by works that no one shall boast. The reason why the gospel is good news is that God has done something that the law could not do. The law was never meant as a tool of salvation. The law was meant to lead us to salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. The law was the measuring line by which we could see how crooked our lives are and then to drive us to Him that God smote in our place on the cross of Calvary. The Judaizers say, God's work plus my work is exactly what Roman Catholicism teach. Our works are as important as the Gospel. The Muslims say the same thing. God in the end will weigh up my good against my bad. So, here Paul does not defend his own words, his own work. He doesn't want to just save his labor. He, he, he is standing in the way of, of these Judaizers to say, you cannot add anything to the work of God. I want you to know that you are saved by grace through faith. Faith is not a work. Unfortunately, the word faith has been distorted and spoiled by the health, wealth, and prosperity that says that whatever you can believe will happen. Faith is not something that I can whip up in myself as, as a work. Faith is just a trust in the truth of God's Word. I believe that it is the truth because God has spoken it. It doesn't become true because I believe it. It's a very fine difference. You have to be careful. We are sucked into think that you and I have to generate faith. And then we disqualify ourselves because you don't feel your faith. Faith is not something to feel. Same thing. Faith is an action. Think of Abe. Abe didn't believe. He didn't believe. It was a strange thing for him to hear he has to put the blood on the posts. But he did it anyway. So whether I have a weak faith or the strong faith, but if I put my trust the, the way I have it in the cross, in the, in the Lord's, in the Lord's uh, work for me, all I have to say is, I believe. Whether, it's a, whether your faith is year or year, what did he say about the faith of a mustard seed? It is just to trust the Lord. God is greatly honored when we trust Him. When we trust Him, God is so pleased. He says, they, they have certified that I am true. And faith is something we can pray for. I want you guys to please take time and read the rest of the book. We can, we can divide the book into three parts. All about the personal testimony of Paul. In the first two chapters, he says, Who I am, where did I get my message from, 
What were my credentials as a Pharisee of Pharisees? There's nothing about this law that I do not know. I was found blameless until I met him. And when he was knocked off his donkey or his horse, he said, Jesus said to him, Paul, why are you persecuting me? Despite all his credentials, he was on the wrong side of God because the law has been ended. Think of the circumcision. The circumcision was a sign from Abraham that through your seed, it's a male and it's singular, through your seed, the whole, all the world will be blessed. Who's that seed? The Lord Jesus Christ and Him, the symbol and the sign of circumcision was complete. Because through Him, all the nations were blessed. And that's why they came together as one. He made Jews and Gentiles one. So Paul could look back and he said, all these years that I have strived, and he was the rising star of Judaism, because it was at his feet that all the people who stoned Stephen for his faith in Christ put it at his feet. And then he, he got, Paul started to kill and destroy the churches in Jerusalem and far beyond. And he thought that in the past there's a history when the Moabites, uh, when the Moabites was living in close proximity to the Jews as they traveled through the desert, they became, they, they and the Moabite women, they had sexual relationship, I, and that was forbidden. And then one of the sons of, of, the, of, the, of Aaron's family saw how an Israelite went to the Moabite woman and they went to the tent to have some physical relations. And he went and he took a spear and he speared them to the ground, both of them. And God promised that for four generations he will have his favor for acting on God's behalf. That's why was Paul was thinking, I am doing God's work. I am persecuting these um, heretics. Until God interrupted him. So Paul, in, his, in the first part, uh, relates that experience and say, um, I just want to tell you where I'm coming from. I loved the law. There was no, no one that was more zealous for the law than I am. The second part, it's always doctrine. The middle part of gospel is the doctrine, the heart of the gospel, which is justification by faith. When Martin Luther saw that, when he finally, he, he, was, he was traumatized, he was beyond um, comfort, hung up with his sins, the priest says, stop coming here to confess, please. Because he would confess for hours, but he couldn't get release until he read Galatians. And until he understood the heart of the gospel. And I want you to understand the heart of the gospel because then, as I said before, you will be able to withstand the accusations of the evil one because he cannot accuse you on what you, how poorly you've done because you are in Christ. And there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And you and I have to know that is the heart of Christian identity. I am saved by, uh, through grace by faith. And then the last two is the practical application. How then, if we have been saved by grace, how then do we live? Chapter 5 and 6. Or we can look at another three ways to, to, to divide the book of Galatians is Liberty, Christian freedom, legalism, and license. 
the big problem the legalizers had with Paul's gospel. He said they were all become like, they were all become, they will lose their way. They will do whatever they please because there's nothing that tells them do this and do this and don't do that. They will go back to their old ways. That's why they were concerned. They were not just really nasty men. They were really concerned that these people, we have a tradition of the law. We know God, what God wants. But they forget that they couldn't do it. But we can't just let them have the easy way. So, think of, think of the Christian way. The Lord says, small is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to life. And only a few find it. So the Christian way of its liberty, it is freedom. I don't have to keep the Sabbath. I don't have to follow the rules. Because God has set me free. All the outer uh, symbols of the law or whatever has been fulfilled in, the, in, the, in one person, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm sure the other teachers or churches will stone me, but we, you don't have to tithe. Tithing is an Old Testament pr uh, 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 principle. We are commanded to give. And God loves a generous giver. Nothing out of compulsion. Bible, say, Bible says it should not be extracted from you. You should not give what you do not have. And if you give, you have to give with a glad heart. Because that is freedom. There must be joy in your heart when you do it. Not reluctantly, because it's easy to scare you and say, God's going to kill your grandchildren if you don't give. That's what some churches do. They use the law to pound people to do what they want. So that's legalism. So legalism is a way of controlling people who are free. And my heart is broken for, for Christians that sit in a prison because of, of the conscience they have, of the way they've been raised, and they cannot break through the prison. And Jesus said, I have set you free for freedom's sake. Why do you go back to a yoke of slavery? The other side is license. There are Christians that say because of the freedom they have, they allow themselves things that bring other people into bondage. Or they make other people stumble. Like drinking wine. Some people, if they feel the pastor drinking wine, they write him off. It's a, it's a conviction. And your conviction is fine. But I can't preach it from the pulpit. But you can honor other, other people. The Bible says this thing. He says only weak people eat vegetables. They don't eat meat. So you honor that. So what they forget is when you walk this narrow road of Christian liberty, you don't need an extra exoskeleton like the law to tell you how to walk the Christian life. Who do you have inside? Holy Spirit. God, the Holy Spirit, who is our friend, who is our helper. That's why it's such a vital thing that you and I know. When we are born again, we are receiving the Spirit within. We don't need the law, external law. We have the internal God ourselves that will guide us. He says, you will hear a voice behind you. This is the way walk you there. And we will know when he's grieved. Look at David. David was in Psalm 51. He, said, he has committed adultery and a murder. And he says he knows that the blood of bulls and goats will not be able to expunge his sin. Wash me with hyssop. There are things in the law of Moses that you could not get forgiven of. It has to be, if it's a willing sin, you're stuck. You're going to follow its consequences. Murder, 
adultery and things like that. There are things that could not be forgiven only through the blood of the Lamb. So there should be nothing in our past that will keep us. Uh, you don't get super Christians and unsuper Christians. Those who have holy lives that they were said we were all sinners before God. God doesn't have a hierarchy of sin. So through the Spirit, I can live the Christian life on the narrow way with freedom and joy. So please read Galatians and see if you can find where he talks about Christian liberty comparing to liberalism, or sorry, legalism, and then um, license. Thank you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for the precious people that came. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that I can ask that by your grace you will minister to all of us through the truth of your word to encourage us to run the race with diligence set before us, knowing we have been set free for freedom's sake and we can enjoy it. We can enjoy being Christians. We can rejoice in our salvation. We can throw off the heavy load of things we do and we don't do and should do to know that you have taken care of our future. You have taken care of our sin forever. We are friends with God. We are children of God. We are part of the household of God. We have been blessed with all the spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And we should be filled with all the fullness of God. We should ask God to fill us with, with the power of His Spirit that we may know the length, the breadth, the height, the depth of the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge. We can only know it through your Spirit. Lord, I pray for the empowerment for us, for each one of us that has heard this message this morning, to know we are dearly loved. We are the household of God. We are a spiritual house made up of spiritual rocks where we as the royal priesthood can bring sacrifices to God, pleasing to Him. And we want to bring to you today thanksgiving that you have saved us without us lifting a finger because it, it was your will. It was by your grace. And we have been handpicked and written in the book of life of the, with the blood of the Lamb. Thank you, Lord, that the enemy is defeated. You have crushed his head. You have rescued us from the power of this wicked world. So we can live a life of victory. We can live a life that is testifying to the world, I have peace. Pray for us, Lord, for those of us who struggle with physical ailments, with pain, with hurt. Those of us who have family members that are lost. Pray for those of us who struggle with besetting sin. Help us to realize it is through the dying of self, the cutting off of the arm or the leg or the plucking of the eye, the willingness to let it go, that the power of the Spirit can enable to set me free. 
I pray, will you give us a hunger and a thirst after the word, a desire to seek your face, the friendship of the Holy Spirit. Like David said, please do not take away your spirit from me. Because we are the house of God. We are the holy place of intimacy between God and us. What a great privilege that we can call you Father. And that you can call us my son and my daughter. Will you also say to us, I'm well pleased with you. Help us to see we are in Panama for a particular reason. To glorify your name, to enjoy our salvation, to spread the good news. Bless us as we go in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, and God bless.